Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest show on And welcome back to Talking Terror. We're live with an all-new episode. I am your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back. Tonight, we are coming to you live from Fuck Off University, where we're going to learn the art of the perfection, which is the demonic Dr. Dave's tech for tonight from 2018, debuting on Netflix in 2019, and directed by Richard Shepard. But first and foremost, I am joined by the bold and the beautiful. It's a really perfect, if I have to say. Go Geek Keith. Hello, 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 everybody. What is going on tonight? How are you doing, Gould? I am just glorious, man. Ever so glorious. And effervescent as always. Just perfect. Just like the movie we're going to be talking about tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. See how many perfect puns I can get in. All right. So how have you been the last time we talked? I know uh, you've been to the movies, I guess, uh, using your A-list pass. Oh, no, not me. Are you crazy? Now, of course, man. I've, uh, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, like I've already established with this damn thing, you know, I've, uh, I'm going to, going to suck every little bit of life that I can out of it. As long as this program runs, I, uh, I did, I had the joy of seeing it chapter two, okay. um, last Thursday, um, you know, non-spoiler style review. It was an enjoyable follow-up to chapter one that still paid homage to the original two-part television movie without being a full retread of it. Um, I know a lot of the reviews are saying not as scary as the first one, but nor do I think it should be. Um, You know, the first one dealt with them as kids. It's easier to frighten children than it is for adults. So it deals with, you know, with them just being adults. Oh, okay. But, but, we know that it deals with them being adults and that it's easy to frighten kids, but isn't it us, the audience, that's supposed to be frightened by the experience that the adults are having? I don't think you can translate that correctly, man. Like, think about it. What horror movies have you watched in the last 10 years that have truly frightened you in any way? That uh, truly frightened me? Uh, when I had yeah. to watch that Twilight shit for the show, that was pretty fucking terrifying. <laughs> well, there you go. See, there, that's my point exactly. As a, as a grown adult, it's much harder to find and establish something that is frightening, especially when that thing is supposed to be a shape-shifting monster from outer space or, you know, from, from before the creation of time um, as per Stephen King's book. So... Yeah, I think they. Uh, I think they did a great job. I really enjoyed the cast. Uh, I don't want to, you know, repeat everything that everybody's saying, but you know, Bill Hader was absolutely yeah. a gem throughout that movie. He was fantastic, and I'm not a big Hader fan. 
You know, I guess you could say I'm a hater hater. Um, I, I got <laughs> nothing against the guy or anything like that, but I've never never been somebody to follow him. I'm not a big SNL fan or anything like that. I found him just to be awesome as Richie Tozier. That's great. Yeah, I, I like him, though. I, I'm a fan of hater. I'm not a hater hater. I actually do like him. Stop I think he's got great community guys. Um, but, yeah, no, that's, that's great. You know, non Hater, 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 hater. <laughs> Like I said, I like him on Barry on HBO. That's a great show to check out. You guys ever get a chance? I have heard um, good things about that, so I need to check that out. It's fun. It definitely has a lot of uh, fun moments with it. But, Doc, you're with us as well. Welcome back to the show. It's your night. It's your pick. I'm with you as well. It is my pick tonight, and I'm very excited hater, to hater. be here with my pick. Uh, I've continued to be on what I feel, uh, you know, whether we enjoy the movies or not, I feel like I'm on a pretty good roll of at least – picking uh, suitable choices that are actual films for us for my last several picks. So we'll continue to see how that streak unfolds as we move forward into the future of Talking Terror. And we'll talk about that because I think it's a pretty consistent one. When I was thinking about it after I watched the movie, I was like, you know what? Say what you want about the doc, but he's consistent when he makes his picks. That's, that's, that's what we're going for around here. We're going for consistency. Uh, that is always our aim. Uh, when we put together, uh, you know, our selections for our little program here. I think so. What, like, All right. So, like uh, poop? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Doc, uh, catch us up. What's been going on in the world of art? Oh, uh, so many exciting things. I don't even know where to start. But where we are going to start is sometimes the ghoul and once myself has brought you uh, a little game we sometimes play here in Talking Terror when we see some kind of weird chart that tells you, you know, what you are based on the initials of your name. Uh, I do not have one of those for us this evening, uh, but okay. uh, what Aww. I do, what I, I was do. reading earlier, well, we'll get to you in a minute. Right now, I have the con. Now, um, right now, uh, I was, well, earlier today, I was reading it. I was uh, you were always with the ass. Um, anyway, uh, the, the, earlier today I was reading uh, an article talking about what the biggest slang word was the year that you were born. So I have for us here, uh, for the three of us, uh, the, the the word that was like the popular slang uh, in the years that each of us were born. So uh, Ooh, start. Uh, so okay. and 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 again, let's. Let's remember that slang uh, that doesn't necessarily translate to, like, foul or curses or anything like that. So uh, right. I don't want anybody to be disappointed uh, when the reveals take place. But I was born uh, in 1976, and that is the year, as a slang term, that the word hardball entered the lexicons. Uh, and hardball when talking about, like, business negotiations, like, I'm playing hardball with you. Uh, so 1976 saw the term hardball enter the lexicon and become the popular slang word of that year. Uh, for the ghoul, our, our very own ghoul, who was born just a few short years later in 1979. Uh, that would be the uh, – no, strange... the following year, Dave. Doc, I was born in 1977. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Uh, wow. So in 19 – let's talk about the king of horror. Uh, the king <laughs> of horror, uh, who is the young person on – our program. Uh, he was born in 1984, 
such a such a far away time from myself and the ghoul. Yes, in 1984, uh, the popular slang term uh, that entered the lexicon that became a thing was the term major, as in major. Oh. Uh, like that's really major, and they say that it was actually uh, like, like valley word. Like that's major. Like that's a major. Yeah, problem. yeah, like yeah. radical, yeah. major, gnarly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And then we should bring that a, back. A fitting and, and uh, here we are, nineteen seventy-seven. I never stopped using it. Uh, <laughs> the year of the year of the ghoul, nineteen seventy-seven. Uh, this is a term that. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of still. Um, I don't Negro? use it often, but I, I I fully stand for what it represents. Unfortunately, the ghoul uh, no longer does, uh, but it is something oh. that he and I have oh. shared uh, thousands of times uh, in our friendship together. But the, the slang what, term docking? that became a thing in 1977 <laughs> is brewski, as in let's have a cold uh, That. Originated in '77. Wow, I would feel like wow. that's an older phrase. Is that's this only in like seeing, American? Man. Is this only in like American culture? I feel like that's like a Canadian word. Uh, this just says the most popular slang the year you were born. So again, I'm not doing any research to find out if this is actual factual, but I'm just going oh, upon okay. the article that I'm reading, and I and I saw it as a fun little exercise to share these things with my fellow co-hosts on this evening's episode of Talking Terror. That's major, dude. Appreciate that. Why, th- why, thank you, doctor. As always, You're, educational. Why don't you go crack yourself a brewski and enjoy? Uh, well, I I would love to, but I'm already drinking some vino. Uh, so uh, I'm going to stick That's with the vino this evening. <laughs> and, and, and I played hardball because I looked in the fridge, and I have a couple of good beers in there. And on the counter, I have a bottle of red wine that was opened uh, previously, and you can only have it sit for so long before it goes bad. So I played hardball and went for the red wine, so it so it not it doesn't spoil um, and go to waste. Red red wine, stay close to me. Absolutely. Your decision was the decision was major. The major, major. <laughs> Word. So man, do I miss the days when we would drink brewskis together. But anyway. Uh, uh, there are I am sorry, my things. friend. I'll drink my water with lemon. That's fine. Looks, looks That's cool. fine, man. That's fine. Well, I, I appreciate, and I, I, as I sit here and drink my wine, I, I use it to toast uh, your impressive and admirable sobriety. Salute. Alcohol. Alcohol, alcohol sobriety. Anyway, uh, there are so many things going on in the world of horror right now. Uh, so many things. Uh, related to Stephen King, because it just seems these days it's just an avalanche of Stephen King, uh, which I was thinking about this earlier today when I saw these different stories. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it's it's really interesting to me that uh, here we are, you know, Stephen King books going back to, you know, the 70s and the 80s. And some people say like the 80s, early 90s was like the heyday of Stephen King. Um you know, I'm not trying to have that de- debate or discussion right now, but the fact that his stories like came into my world in the in the late '80s, um, you know, some of the most influential, uh, some of my most favorite books of all time. Uh, you know, we've talked about some of his films, you know, at length on our show, uh, but that in 2019, like it's just like an avalanche of Stephen King. 
uh, is, I, I was really kind of taking in his, um, you know, his impact on culture still today, all this time later, um, you know, from, from an author, you know, with, with the written word. So uh, it's pretty cool. But my story is with Stephen King today. Um, it, Chapter 2, uh, had a $91 million opening weekend. Uh, it was forecasted to come in. Uh, they were forecasting between 85 and 100 million, so it fell right in the projections. Uh, it is now the uh, second highest grossing horror movie weekend opening. The first still obviously is It Chapter One, which took in 123 million on its opening weekend, uh, sitting at number two up until It Chapter Two, 2018's, yeah. 2018's yeah. Halloween 18. Uh, Halloween 2018 was in second place with 76.2 million opening weekend, and then It Chapter Two is now pushed into second place. Uh, so you might call it a disappointment, being that the first chapter took in more. But we're just talking about opening weekend, and uh, you know, uh, the tale will be told several weeks down the line when the theatrical run uh, comes to an end. So we'll see where we're going there. But uh, the story that I have with that is only, that director. I'm not only talking about opening weekend box office and comparing that to chapter one I'm saying in general that's a disappointment specifically because chapter two costs so much more than chapter one How did much? to make um, I want to say I mean again you're looking at a much bigger budget just based on the uh, the cast alone right? but give me a little bit let the doc go on his thing and I'll figure that out yeah sure okay, great. If, the, if the you know if the X Experts, though, uh, were projecting 85 to 100, and it came into 91. Like it wasn't like originally they were. No, original proje- original projections were 135 million for it. Really? Two. They revamped. They revamped that and brought that down to uh, to more realistic expectations after getting the first couple of nights box office. Mm, well, um, well, but anyway, give me a minute, and I'll uh, have the other one. Okay, yeah, sure. that's cool. So, di- director, uh, director Andy Muschietti uh, has been talking about this supercut that he wants to create, where he's going to edit together uh, both of the films. To, uh, he has said that he also, in addition to making his supercut, uh, editing both films together, uh, adding in material that wasn't used, he's also talking about wanting to shoot even more footage. Uh, for this master super cut that he wants to create uh, that he hopes to one day present theatrically. Um, you know, I, I, the way this is already, like, it's looking like if he's trying to do that, he's trying to, what, show a, a five- or six-hour fucking film in the movie theater? I don't know oh, about easily. that, but, um, yeah. you know, he seems to be all about that. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, the the success of it, Chapter 2, over the next couple of weeks might might determine whether or not he gets the opportunity uh, to at least shoot new footage. Uh, they're going to try to milk every penny, so they'll, it's easy to oh, take sure. what they've already filmed and stitch it together for a supercut and then put it back in the theater and make more money. Um, you know, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, also, in the world of Stephen King, uh, there is going to be a... All right, so real quick, ten... before you go into oh. the rest of the world of Stephen King... It Chapter One cost them thirty-five million to make and ended up grossing box office ended up making seven hundred million total. Huge hit. Um, yeah. So to thirty-five mil to seven hundred, whereas It Chapter Two has cost, and again this is just going by you know everybody's favorite dictionary Wikipedia. Um, 
His estimated <laughs> budget of sixty to eighty million, so sixty to seventy-nine million. It doubled the budget of the first film at this point. And as of right now, worldwide box office is one hundred and ninety-eight million. Well, no, okay. worldwide okay, is so one hundred ninety-eight. Ninety-one million yeah. was just domestic in the U.S. Okay. Domestic, yeah, right. yes. ninety-one was domestic. Yes. All right. So look, uh, so not bad. You know. In in the opening weekend, they've already turned over a hundred million dollar profit. Like it's the opening weekend. Like I'm sure there's tons of people that haven't seen it yet. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? But it's looking like they're 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 you know maybe when all is said and done, it won't be a success like they were hoping for. But um, you know, I mean, I have not a bad to turn a hundred. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you. But I have to say, uh, you know, for a lot of empty seats. A long, Ooh. but still a long, a long weekend. And, and, and you got to remember, there's also a shit ton of showings in many of the theaters. Um, yeah, that's true too. So you know, uh, a lot of empty seats, but lots of maybe three quarter filled theaters, like ten times a day in the theater versus like the standard four or five showings. But anyway, I'm not trying to get into an I mean, argument I'm, about I'm chapter two. No, I, I haven't I'm, seen it yet. It's, not an, ar- it's um, not an argument, man. The fact of the matter is, this is fact. I'm literally looking at my AMC app right now, okay? So it chapter right. two is going to be running at 2.15 tomorrow in Freehold, right. at 2.25 mm-hmm. tomorrow in Freehold, at 3 p.m. tomorrow in Freehold, and at 4 p.m. tomorrow in Freehold. All four of those showtimes... You literally have three empty theaters and one showtime. The four o'clock has two people in it right now. Ah. Yeah, that's pretty. That's 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 fucking that's nuts. And that's also that's a, like I, I don't know what I would expect as far as seating on a you know mid afternoon on a Thursday. Um, on a Thursday, but anyway. But I would expect yeah. more than two people. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, and I guess that's for I guess that's for people that you know are buying tickets in advance i don't know like is that like the thing Six, like is that what you have to do now you, every, well no you get well yeah you do that because of your seats this way you can pick your seats the 615 right. showing tomorrow has seven people right wow you're talking you're talking okay. nearly empty theaters opening evening where me and the ghoul girl went um you know i had gotten my seats originally there were only three show times by the time we got them they had about 13 show times of that same day on that Thursday and even our theater for the six o'clock showing, I would say maybe we were somewhere between half and three quarters full. You know, there just seemed to be no, none of the same energy, none of the same buzz walking out of the theater. You know, there were like a couple of people trickling in for the later showings, but there was just no, like I remember when we saw chapter one in the theater, it was like electric at the movie theater. Mm-hmm. The, our theater was sold out when we went to go see it. You know, like it was a full packed theater, man. Um, I just really don't, I don't feel like this one's going to live up to it. And I, I, I honestly believe that the worst thing for this movie at the moment is it's runtime. I think even though it's only a half hour to 40 minutes longer than it chapter one, I honestly feel like that for a horror movie scares off a lot of people, especially when it's not the half of the book that everybody always looks back and feels fondly about. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that's a, a, a runtime that we talked about on the show. Seems awful long for a horror film. 
You know, I mean, I know it's not going to be an hour and 30 minutes tight, but two hours and 45 minutes, that's a super cut. That's an investment, you know, to make into a movie. Now, now I'll be honest. I didn't feel the runtime watching the movie, but I've also kind mm-hmm. of adjusted to a point of seeing these long movies and they don't like bother Endgame. me so much. Endgame, you know, all six times that I saw that. Once upon yeah. a time in Hollywood, I've seen. Yeah, twice. that was a long one too. It's, there's there's a, a lot of films that I'm seeing these days that all seem to run over these two hour marks. Um, you know, I saw a uh, and I saw an Indian movie today called Chachore. This is a Hindu speaking film with English subtitles. Uh, it was two hours and twenty four minutes. Um, what I will say about it is, it was a phenomenal film that I cannot recommend enough. It really was like. Really, really entertaining movie. It's funny, touching, all those things. Great cast, too. A lot of fun. Uh, if, okay. if you like to watch foreign movies. Uh, yeah, I, I surprised. It surprised the shit out of me. I'll be perfectly honest with you. But honestly, I watched this movie, and I cannot tell you the ear-to-ear smile that it just constantly was giving me while watching this movie. This was a film that when I walked out of the theater, the first thing that popped into my head was this is the kind of movie that reminds me of why I love movies so much. What, the Hindi movie that you watched? Yeah, yeah. You, uh, the, okay, well, that's pretty cool. I mean, I've seen it advertised. I remember you mentioning it on the group chat and actually saw it on Google being mentioned. So I said, all right, so that's actually getting attention. You know, surprising a Hindi movie would be getting attention, you know, in the States. But um, I mean, I don't know if I'm reading it wrong or what, but I tried, you know, I put it into the, uh, the like, because the, the, the box office for it is in whatever their money is. And when I mm-hmm. put that amount in currency-wise, it actually brings it over in U.S. dollars to like $789 million dollars. For a movie that oh, just okay. came out on September September sixth, this released in India, and, and it's made that much already. Uh, again, I don't know if there's I mean, the currency huge. calculator like a, is off or something, that's, wow. but that's like ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah, <laughs> that is a bombshell hit. I mean, I, I've never even heard of that for like an opening for a movie to make that much money. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it's something in what it what it's written as in Wikipedia or how it is when I input that amount in yeah. to the calculator, but that's the number that came up for it. So, all right. Well, uh, Doc, what else is going on in King Country? Now we've talked about it chapter two a little bit. Yes, CBS All Access uh, is putting uh, out a ten episode limited series of The Stand. I believe okay. we might have talked about that previously on the show. It's going to we be have, yeah. put out. Uh, New Mutants director Josh Boone is behind it, uh, but casting announcement was that they have signed <laughs> on. The New Mutants uh, not getting made. Alexander Skarsgård has been signed okay. on to play the character of Randall Flagg. Um, I like it. I don't. I don't know. Uh, the Stand is one of the Stephen King things that I really know nothing of. I never read it, never saw any of the other adaptations. Wow! Uh, it's like there was a previous I'm miniseries. It's one of those. It's just one of those that you know, for whatever reason, just kind of fell through the cracks. You know, there's like a couple of those uh, classic Stephen King books that I just haven't read um, for I no particular reason. 
Yeah, All right. I think you're I really going to enjoy it. I think it's right I'll, in your I'll wheelhouse, to... too. I think it's one that you'll really, really enjoy. All right. I'm surprised to, you've I'll, never I'll... read that. Yeah, I'm not closed off to reading it. Um, you know, there's nothing about it that makes me be like, oh, I'm not sure I want to read that one. Like, you forever, like, tried to talk me into reading the Gunslinger ones, and, like, I read the first one or the first two, and it just wasn't for me. Um, which is what you I know, said. I don't have any... Which I say about yeah. that. Yeah, you know, I, that movie, I, 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 that book is not for everybody. Nope. Yeah, it's not. And, you know, I don't have any feelings about 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 uh, the stand. Uh, it's just kind of escaped me. And so I'll read it. Like, I have no problem. Get it from the fucking library, like, next week. You know, like, I, I just I have no qualms with um, reading it. I just haven't done so uh, thus far. Um, but anyway, I don't know who the character of Randall Flagg is or if this character is important. Uh, but that the casting news made sure to say what character. I figured there was some importance to it, and I know that Alexander Skarsgård, um, you know, is a is a popular character actor, and he will be playing this particular character in the CBS All Access uh, ten episode limited series. I dig it. I like the Montreal blood, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the walking dude, uh, Randall Flag. You know, I think he, he I think he could pull it off. Although I did like uh, McConaughey in Dark Tower. It was kind of a cool thing about that movie even though it's not a great movie but he was good all right also uh in the world of stephen king apparently and i did not know this and i usually don't find out about these things until after they come out uh his new book the institute was released yesterday yes it was uh just dropped so it just dropped yesterday already uh the the rights to put it to screen have been snapped up uh, by the no Spyglass yeah, the Spyglass production <laughs> company has already snagged wow. the rights to the Institute and their aim is to also uh, they have no deals in place but their aim is to not make a feature film but similarly to The Stand to create this as a limited series. Uh, so Stephen King's new book, The Institute just released yesterday um <laughs> You know, keep your eyes open because, uh, you know, there will be a limited series at some point down the road. That's impressive. I'm I mean, Stephen King must be just loving life right now. A book just came out. That yeah, it's he, not even dry. And they're like, yeah, let's make it yeah. a series. He's like swimming <laughs> well, when, through when an author ball, is like hot, Scrooge McDuck. When an author is hot, though, too, a lot of times they'll get movie deals for books that they're in the middle of writing. You know, they may not even have finished the book you. yet, and they're already getting, like, a deal for a, a film version of it. This is just so a studio can claim rights to said movie before anybody else. Smart move. Yeah, I'll agree with that. All right, so, yeah, I, mean, oh, yes, I want to check no, that book you, out. So. You got to wonder, yeah. too, though. You know, from an author's point of view, it's kind of a gamble because you're going to – you're going to get guaranteed money because the studio is going to get it. But, you know, let's say the book turns out to be a major hit. Another studio might have offered more money for such a big hit of a book. But, you know, mm-hmm. instead you're locked down to, for a guaranteed amount. Now, on the same front, the book could be a flop, and nobody wants to give you shit for it. So he's making something no matter what. I think that that's what he's looking at with it. Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, like the doctor said, Stephen King, hot right now book just came out so mm-hmm. he's, he's fine whatever money they're offering him he's fine with and he's gonna you know develop this series i'm sure and we'll see how it goes i definitely want to read the book because i like the uh, the premise of it but uh yeah it just came out <laughs> i haven't even been to the story yet to go look at it but yeah all right um okay so what else is going on in king country or is that it we're moving on 
I'm sorry, say that again. Are we moving on from King Country, or we have more uh, news? Yes, we are. We are. We are moving on from King Country. Uh, so Bill Mosley, uh, who has played Chop Top in the mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, really, 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 really wants to play Chop Top again. I yes, don't no. know. I don't know when he might get that chance, but apparently. When he got Hopefully the call for to be to be in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three D, uh he got the call to play Drayton Sawyer. Uh yeah. mm-hmm. he was like, Why are you calling me to play Drayton Sawyer? That would be like getting the three stooges back together and telling Larry that he has to be Mo. This is what uh Bill Bosley said. But yeah. it seems that uh the Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two, the rights are owned by Sony and that character as a new character in that film is the property there. So the company that was making the Texas Chainsaw Massacres did not have the rights to use that character. Yeah, because there was a movie uh, that it did, never got made, but they did do a spec trailer for it uh, featuring Bill Mosley's Chopped Up. I think it was called American Nightmare or something along those lines, All-American Nightmare, which is supposed to be about the character surviving the events of Texas Chainsaw 2. And I want to say it was uh, going to be directed by somebody related to Toby Hooper. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, he was excited to play that character again because he really does love Chopped Up. Although I, I, I really got to side with Otis as far as my favorite Bill Mosley characters. I think that's the one I turn to the most when I think about Bill. Well, that's what he wants. Uh, that's the, the hopes and dreams of, of Bill Mosley is to, to once again play Chopped Up. Um, because you know everybody, like is, so. everybody out there is just clamoring for the opportunity to see him on the big screen once again. I definitely would. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind it. Like I said, I'm a fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I think it's funny. I think it's uh, taking a definite uh, left turn from the first one. So I definitely side with that movie um, as a follow-up. But uh, yeah, I mean, covered the, it on the show not long ago. But the cut yeah. in from uh, Bill Mosley. Uh, who is a part of the House of Corpses and Devil Rejects and also Three from Hell, which is coming out. Uh, I wanted to really quickly say that uh, Ghoul actually Got dropped this on Friday. Uh, Sid Haig, Captain Spaulding himself, was involved in a car accident recently, and he's still in the hospital, moved to the ICU. No further updates really have been released, but uh, best wishes and best prayers to Sid and his family. Was it confirmed uh, that it's a car accident? All I heard was an yes, accident. I didn't know what kind of accident it was. Yeah, it was confirmed through a couple of different pages that I've been following that uh, it was a pretty bad car accident. So he got moved to the ICU, and uh, he's he's still there, but no further updates from Susie or anybody else uh, from the Hague camp. But uh, it's pretty sad news, but hopefully he recovers and he's better than ever once he gets out. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, you know, yeah I'm, was, just, uh, I'm just trying to um, look at that also. Yeah, I'm saying also that it just says I'm just seeing following an accident also. Um, I'm not seeing anything about an automobile accident. So was that was confirmed, you're saying? It was through a couple of the uh, pages I follow on Facebook. Somebody that's uh, friends with Sid actually posted uh, saying that it was actually a car accident. You know, it wasn't like he fell down the stairs or anything like that. It was actually a car accident. And he was moved to the ICU because of it. All right. So there we have it. Hopefully a speedy recovery. Um, for Sid Hague. 
Absolutely. Indeed, 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 indeed. And I am looking forward to seeing Three from Hell on Tuesday. Yeah, well, coming out. Since since that is coming out, uh, while he has no plans for it, uh, Rob Zombie says that he would possibly like to do uh, more films involving the Firefly family. Um, You know, after all of the work that he has put into Three from Hell, uh, you know, he has no plans. Um, or anything, but uh, he said that he feels that maybe the the Firefly family, uh, there's more to be told. Sure. You know, I mean, it, it depends on if they're good stories or not. I know for a while he teased a prequel to House of a Thousand Corpses a while ago before he decided to do Three from Hell. I mean, I'd like to see a prequel just to see where they were at before the events of House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, I actually posted a clip from Three from Hell featuring Captain Spaulding, so I was so happy to see that. Finally, we're getting some Captain Spaulding footage of him on death row and giving an interview to somebody, talking about how he's a dancing clown, dancing for the fucking man. I was like, yeah, I just love Sid. He just he's embodies that character. You know, even at 80 years old, he could still be Cutter. He could still be Captain Spaulding. So looking forward to seeing what comes of this movie. I don't have tickets, but the ghoul does. So I'm hoping he gives me some mm-hmm. kind of a review. Indeed, man, me and the cool girl are going. Yeah, they're doing that whole Fathom event thing, so I wasn't able to use my A-list to go see it. But, but yeah, since this is a Fathom event, I actually had to pay full price for tickets. Oh, no. Wait, 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 hold on. Wait, (laughs) let me get some some clarification here. What what is a Fathom event, just seeing this movie? Yeah, it's like a limited-run series. It's only like uh, it's not getting a wide release. They're going to be releasing it on three separate days. Each day actually has a uh, a specific uh, bonus attached to it. Um, day one or night one, uh, there's a free poster that you can get with the movie. Night two, there's a behind-the-scenes footage thing. Yeah, believe me, I'm going to ask them if they have any posters left. But unfortunately, they uh, there's no seats. There were no you know seats that I like anyway um, as far as the uh, – the arrangements went, so at least I was able to find good seats for the night, too, and that just has a behind-the-scenes thing. I'm hoping said behind-the-scenes thing is after the movie, because I have no that intentions nice. of watching it, um, because <laughs> according to the information, this film clocks in at 2 hours and 24 minutes. Now, when you hmm, add in the behind-the-scenes, it's 2 hours and 50 minutes. I don't want to have to sit there for nearly fucking three hours again to watch another fucking movie. I'd have to imagine it's at the end. I can't imagine they're going to play the behind scenes before the movie because it probably spoils things. I would think so as well. So, well, good. I won't be there. We'll be we'll be out and on our way. (laughs) Yeah, just see the movie and then go. I mean, that's exactly what I would do. Love the movie. It's great. I'm leaving. I don't need to see the behind the scenes Q and A stuff. But, uh, looking I've already got my other feature get... next that week, one? too, Thursday. Okay. Got my tickets for Rambo. Oh, sweet. Yes. Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, yes, and uh, on that note, uh, the ghoul and I are currently in negotiations to plot part two of our Stallone retrospective, where we will be covering uh, the Rambo series. We'll be making an announcement uh, with that date very, very soon uh, as we continue to prepare. Um, I am beyond 
uh, stoked to see that film. Uh, I am already planning to try and see it either before or after my hockey game on the day of its release, uh, depending upon what time my game is that day. But I am fucking stoked for that, as I'm sure anyone that has been following this program knows. So uh, very, very, very exciting as far as what's on the docket for the near future releases and films. And if I could just segue out of that real quick, as you know, Rambo is somebody that we can, you know, that is considered an entertainment icon of, uh, you know, of the United States. Um, Today is one of those iconic days of the United States, you know, as, uh, as it is nine 11 here, Um, you know, the day the towers fell, the day the plane crashed into the Pentagon and flight 93 went down to Pennsylvania. Um, you know, our condolences always go out to all the family and all the Americans and those lives that were lost that day. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself, Cool. Thank you for that. And our condolences as well. I'm here in Talking Terror. Uh, so yes, and segue. while there's been so much talk about uh, these long, long run times uh, for all of these horror movies and some other films, uh, Rambo Last Blood will be clocking it at a nice and tidy hour and 40 minutes. That's nice. Yeah. That's really cool. That's, done. that's, <laughs> you know, that's an action movie, baby. Yeah, that's it. I like that runtime. That's nice and tight. That's in and out. There's that's another, not even including credits. There's another Indian movie which looks it looks like a great action film. It really does. It looks like it's going to be a ball to the wall. Is it, a, crazy is it that Rambo knockoff? No, no, no. There's something called Commando. Commando 2. Um, I can't find a Commando 1. So there's Commando 2 and Commando 3. Go find the fucking trailers for these because they look like they're slapsticky fucking crazy. Like they look hysterical. This is a film called Saho. I, I think I'm saying it right. I don't know. S-A-A-H-O. I was going to actually go see that today. It's playing in Hamilton. Um, it looks, again, look, it's like balls to the wall, insane action. Looks like a lot of fun. Um, Hindu with English subtitles. It's two hours and 50 minutes long. And Whoa. like I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm going to go see an Indian action film that's going to be nearly three hours long. Like, who thinks of that? Bollywood? Uh, I, I guess we'd have to do some research and see what the typical running times are for big, uh, big uh, Bollywood films. I'm going to yeah. go see I mean, it probably tomorrow, but <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know how it <laughs> yeah. is. It's an investment. Okay. Uh, so segue. <laughs> it's, pre- it's pretty bad. This is where I'm at at this point. I've seen every single major release film in the last <laughs> month, so that when I'm looking through the fucking list of films that are out, I'm like, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it. This, this is playing too far away for me to go see, or else I would. It's like, you know, there was, I don't know, I could have went and saw something in Nesha Mini today. And I'm like, am I really going to go drive an hour to Pennsylvania just to go see this, you know, an AMC independent film? I'm like, eh, no. No. Why would you? I mean, I mean, love the fact that you're using up this pass. But no, I wouldn't drive an hour on my way to go see a movie that's independent. If it's come out in digital. Uh, tomorrow should have some interesting stuff. As far as I can okay. see as well. Or not tomorrow. Uh, yeah, this this coming week, uh, I'm seeing some some fun coming things here. One is Haunt, uh, I guess, is available coming out tomorrow. Uh, I heard of that, yeah. 
So I believe that's a – if I remember right, that might be a Blumhouse film about Haunted yes, House. Yes, it is. Type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. uh, that that opens this weekend, and yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Um, D Day comes out, and uh, there was like one or two other things. Uh, a movie called Freaks with uh, one of my favorite actors, Emil Hirsch, is in it. Uh, okay. Hey, Emil Hirsch. Yeah, exactly. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like me. he's always fun. You know, for those that want to uh, to get in get in with Jay Jay Low. There's Hustler mm-hmm. or Hustlers, which are about a bunch oh, of strippers stripper. that, yeah. that that rip people Clapping off. So it's got a got a bunch <laughs> yeah. of bunch of tricks in it. And yeah, uh I heard of that. Jennifer Lopez and Julia Stiles and Constant Constance Wu. Julia Stiles, wow. Wu is coming off of uh not that Fresh Asian film. Cra- Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yeah, okay. but I think she mm-hmm. was she's the main character in Crazy Rich Asians, which is actually a lot of fun, man. It's a good movie. Yeah, but yeah you Julia Stiles has come out of the woodwork. Wow. To be in the sorts. Oh, all right. I mean, I used to like Julia Stiles back in the day. I thought she was great. Always wonder what happened to her. She just kind of fell she off. She was really hot in 10 Things I Hate About You. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, that and uh, Hamlet with Ethan Hawke back in 2000. What a great film. Mm. Doesn't get talked about enough, but yeah, no, that's a great one. If you want to see her, Bill Murray playing one of the classic characters, talking in Shakespearean language. Uh, uh, Kyle McLaughlin. I mean, there's so many good actors in that movie. I can't talk about that movie enough. But uh, okay, uh, so Doc, what else do you have for us? Well, I just want to just say because the you know the ghoul brought up one of his favorite actors, Emil Hirsch, who I'm also a fan of. I have such a fixed image of this guy uh, in my head when I think of Emil Hirsch uh, mm-hmm. that now uh, that he is more like a like a grown up actor. I never fucking recognize him. And then I see the fucking credits and I'm like, oh, fucking shit. That was Emil Hirsch. Uh, a perfect example of that recently uh, was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like when I'm sitting mm-hmm. there watching the fucking movie, yep. like I see his name come up on the screen and I'm like, oh, I forgot he was in this because I'm sure I heard so much. Emil Hirsch was in the film. Yeah, he, yeah, he was. But anyway, but anyway, I didn't fucking recognize him. Until the end fucking really? credits when it said when it said Emil Hirsch is Jay fucking Sebring. Yes. Really. Like I picture him. And the funny thing the funny thing oh, is ahead. is in the scene where he's playing the record in mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the face and look that he gives her, Sharon Tate, you know yeah. it was like almost like uh there was a specific scene in the girl next door that it was a very similar Framed shot and yes, look. I know. So like there was just there was no mistaking it at that point. It was like, yep, there's a real Earth. He's still yeah, a kid. You know, I, I, I know just, from well, so many movies, man. Into course, the wild, or like my, my, yeah, my, my image goes on and on and on. My image of him is is Girl Next Door and Into the Wild, and you know I do have to say like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like I I I I, I saw that and loved it, <laughs> and uh, I was like just so absorbed in it that I wasn't even thinking, oh, look at all of these actors. Like, I was just looking at the characters and, and watching watching it unfold. Awesome. So, um, you know. But it's I, easy to like, miss. I know that's, yeah. like a, that's like a thing that's like a thing with me and Emil Hirsch specifically. So, that, that, that's the point that I was, you know, trying trying to make. Um, sure. Sure. So yeah, you have a crush on about that. What's that? Man crush. What? 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 What, what? was that? Man crush? <laughs> on the Mule Hurst now. Okay. Um, right, so 
Moving on. Uh, moving on. Uh, William Shatner. William okay. Shatner himself has, has come to Die Hard Two. I see your bare ass. Yeah, and and death. No, that's that's William Sadler. William Sadler. I'm talking about Captain Kirk himself, William Sadler. Oh, oh Shatner. William, William Sadler. I thought you said no, Sadler. No, no, Shat- no, no, not William Sadler. Not not bare ass oh. die hard too, William Sadler. I'm talking about William Shatner from Star Trek. Captain Kirk himself. Why don't you just call him Bill Shatner like all of us do? We're just Bill, his friend. <laughs> because I don't yeah. fucking know, because I'm not a fucking Star Trek person, and I don't fucking think of him as Bill Shatner. He's always fucking William you Shatner. Sound, you sound kind of muffled, just so you know. Heard. All right, well, well, fuck you. Now, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, William Shatner has written... Not only stars in, but he has written a genre film called The Devil's Revenge. And yeah. in this film, he will be playing an archaeologist that has to battle a cursed relic. So not only is he starring, he has also written The Devil's Revenge. That trailer looked rough, I got to admit. I, I, didn't, I didn't watch the other trailer. Day. I didn't watch the trailer. Oh. It is. It was yeah. the monster that they use in that movie. They put it in daylight. No bad decision, guys. It it looks poor. But you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll wait for straight, it to come that, out. That'll be a straight. That'll be a straight digital, man. That ain't getting no theatrical release if it looks that bad. I, no, I yeah. can't imagine that it's getting a theatrical release. That's like I think I saw movie. that on the article that it was going to be a VOD uh, kind of VOD kind of deal. Yeah, well, it's always good to see Bill Shatner. That's how we call it. Oh, yeah, it's always just, good. I, it, just, it, just, it just warms the fucking cockles of my heart. I, I don't even know the fucking last Billy time I Billy saw Shatner. Shatner. I love Billy <laughs> Shatner, man. He's the best. Gotta love the Shat, man. <laughs> Rescue 911, baby. So, um, you know, the devil's revenge. Keep your eyes. But anyway, uh, so that is what I have for you this evening uh, taking place in the wide, wide world of horror. Okay. Wow. Very cool. As uh, I, as I promised, yeah, I, earlier, have I have I have one of those wonderful birthday month day things. I think mine will will be a little bit better than slang words. And because I actually know my friends' birthdays, I can actually do <laughs> each one of yours without having to to ask you guys your dates or your signs. So wonderful. I'm going to just do this in 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 age order, I guess maybe. I don't know. Okay. Um, are you going oldest or youngest? Dun, dun, dun. To oldest? Ooh, good uh, we'll do uh, oldest to youngest. Why not? We'll just go that route with it. Perfect. So, so doctor, yeah. doctor, you're first. Um, yeah. This one goes. I don't even know what the hell you call this one, but this is just how it's gonna go. So you're born in August. So you, I made out with, and your birthday is the uh, the twelfth. So it's my neighbor. And because you're in August and your date, you're a Leo, I take that, correct? Yes, yes. Okay, so I made out with my neighbor because I'm a useless wet wipe. So oh. you're welcome. Thank you. Oh. So, oh, my, so, so for my, my wonderful birthday, I, uh, I fingered your dad. You did? I fingered your dad because I want it so badly. Um, I, I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. 
fuck your mom. Just had to do it. You know, oh, oh, it only specific hole. people are going to get that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, the king, the ever so wonderful king. Yes. I gobbled my lover because I'm a lettuce licker. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Lettuce liquor. There you go. Love that. You're a lettuce liquor. Yes. Love that. Lettuceburg lettuce. I was hoping that somebody would get something like, you know, I groped my ass. No, I groped an asshole because I'm a crotch muncher. But well, that's nobody's that lucky. Night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is true. Yeah. The fuck is a fella? That's a fun Saturday night. <laughs> uh, the, the, cool, the cool girl wants to know what she is. So she, uh, I teabagged a crackhead. Because I'm a dickhead. That's the best one. That wins. That's the winner. That does win, so thank you. Thank you. Good job. Good job, baby. That is the winner. Love that crackhead. It wasn't me. (laughs) I don't think think you get any better than that. That was not my my, my thing, ever. Yeah. I don't think you get any better than that. Um, So before we get into the movie tonight, uh, which is the doc spec, I wanted to talk real quickly about uh, me having my own kind of movie experience over the weekend. I didn't go see It Chapter 2. But I did get a lot of movies on digital uh, through YouTube and other platforms of recent movies that have come out. Uh, so I checked out the Banana Splits movie, uh, The Dead Don't Die with Bill Murray, uh, The Fanatic with John Travolta, uh, and Satanic Panic with uh, Rebecca Romaine. And Satanic Panic out of all of them was the best one. It was funny. It was gory. A lot of good practical effects. Jerry O'Connell was hilarious in it. Rebecca Romaine, who... I've always liked, but she was fantastic as this head of a satanic cult living in a very rich and illustrious neighborhood. Uh, so definitely a movie to check out. If you guys haven't heard of it, Chelsea Stardust directed it, and it's called Satanic Panic. Yes, I thought it definitely looked interesting, and I am definitely looking at, forward to it. Uh, I know The Dead Don't Die. That's that Jim Hamish movie uh, with uh, Bill Murray and all that stuff? Yeah, the yes. Jim Jarmusch movie. Yeah. Jim Jarmusch, Adam, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Yeah, a yeah. ton of people, RZA and How was that? Pop. Uh, that was funny. It had a lot of good comedy. Uh, a lot of people said they don't like it because it gets meta at some points, where they're actually breaking the fourth wall, and they're talking to you like they're in the movie. Um, so there's a lot of jokes like that in the movie. So you don't like yeah, that type of humor? Yeah, but like you, gotta, you gotta think, though, like... You're going to see a. We're watching a fucking Jim Jarmusch movie. Like uh, the shit is always fucking weird with his movies. You're not just going to fucking queue up some standard fucking zombie fare, you know? Oh, exactly. What but there's a lot of references to America. I can ask. Doc. Jim Jarmusch has done Dead Man. Uh, he's done Coffee and Cigarettes. He's done Ghost Dog: Way of the Samurai with uh, oh, I like Whitaker, that one. which is fucking I awesome. Yeah, I that one. That's an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, a great uh, reference to Coffee and Cigarettes in the movie with Iggy Pop. So if you've seen Coffee yeah. and Cigarettes, you'll get the reference. Um, there's a great reference to Romero, where some of the characters are driving a 1968 uh, Cadillac uh, Le Mans, which is the exact same make and model they were driving in 1968's End of the Living Dead, that they make a reference to, which I thought was very cool. They got that same make and model for the movie. They kind of tie it all into zombies. So, a lot of fun. Um, Banana Splits was... Uh, you know, it was gory, but it's a passable movie. It's like, you know, typical sci-fi type affair where you're just watching it for the kitsch factor of the banana splits becoming killer robots and murdering people in various ways. Um, it's a tight hour and 28 minutes, so it goes by very quick. But So yeah. 
I've heard, you know, I've heard good things about the Satanic Panic and the Dead Don't Die, and I'm looking forward to seeing those, so I don't want to know much about them. But Banana Splits, I'm looking forward to seeing too, but I don't fucking care at all about fucking spoilers. Uh, how was things in that film as far as, like, levels of gore and stuff? Because anything I've seen about it, it's just been like, oh, it's so gory. Uh, it you is. Know, so what, yeah. Yeah, if he's as spoiler-free as he can, because I'm going to see it. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, if you like gore, they have it. You know, once once okay, uh, things start going up, yeah, you're, it's, you're definitely going to be entertained. That was, I think, the best part, was seeing the gore and the practical effects that they used, and it's, it's done very well. Um, so that was my favorite part of the Banana Slits movie. Um, and then the fanatic, Fred Durst directed it, Devin Saw was in it, John Travolta playing a stalker-type character named Moose. If it wasn't for John Travolta, the movie would suck. Like, it was John Travolta making that movie what it is. Because he plays such a convincing, weird, obsessed guy who's not evil in any way. He doesn't have any sadistic means to Devin Sawa's character. He just really wants to be his friend. And it's through a series of incidents that happen that cause it to turn into the horror realm. But Travolta went all the way in with his character. Like he, his mannerisms, the way that he talks, the way that he acts – you really kind of side with him in a lot of parts of this movie where you're feeling for it's, him as a fan being neglected by an action star that he loves. It's interesting to hear you say that because, and this is nothing to do with the whole like Fred Durst thing, but yeah. um, like I have heard uh, nothing but bad about this film. Uh, in fact, I like, I was reading this as being like the capper of like a, just a series of fucking John Travolta disasters where it's going to be, it's going to have to be one of those time periods where he like goes away for a little while and then has a comeback and everybody loves him again. Like I've just heard like nothing, nothing good about this film. I heard that too. And it it performed miserably when it was released because it only brought in about $13,000. So, I mean, it didn't really bring in anything. Um, Do you know how little people need to fucking go for it to bring in $13,000? Is it even in theaters? It was. I don't know if it still is, but it was a brief run. And now they're offering it as never, a video, uh, uh, VOD. Okay, I can say right now it was definitely never in AMC theaters at all. I've mm-hmm. had this thing for the last – I've had the A-list for over a month now. I check it every single day. At no point did I see that come up in the list. I, chances are I would have went to the movies to see it just because yeah. I have the ability to. And that never, yeah. ever was in any of those theaters. So – no, it was limited, and I told you guys on Friday night that I got a screener copy of it from a friend, and it was, like, pristine, and that's because it's also available on VOD right now. So it went pretty much right to VOD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Short it's a the copy of it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's it, like I said, it's all about Travolta in that movie. Um, Gotti probably was a fucking horrible movie. I watched Gotti where he played that character of John Gotti, and that was a terrible movie. But it's – the fanatic's more enjoyable. Because it's not playing the typical Robert De Niro fan, uh, fan from The Fan, you know, where it's like you actually kind of relate to this guy, you know, where he just wants to meet this celebrity, get his autograph, maybe even be friends with him, and the guy's a complete dick to him, you know, cursing at him, laughing at him, calling him a joke. So, I mean, it, it, it's a good movie. I mean, I kind of felt bad that it got trashed so much because I actually enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, John Travolta's name just doesn't have much in the way of stock right now. No. And I was actually kind of surprised he didn't get called back for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
figured maybe Tarantino would ring him up. I mean, like Tarantino hasn't Tarantino hasn't used him. No, no, but I mean, he did bring him back with Pulp Fiction. Well, yeah, that, you know, so I was kind of surprised he didn't throw him a bone with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have him do a little bit of a cameo. Well, I know that I've heard that uh, recently that they're looking at doing a reboot of Face Off. They are, um, yeah. Which, One of my favorite movies. You know, I, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I remember seeing that in theaters. I remember enjoying it. Um, I, if I've gone back and watched it, it definitely has not been from, you know, start to finish. But, like, the one thing that I'll say about, you know, Face Off is what I'll say about all John Woo, all the John Woo movies. John Woo's got a very specific style. So oh, the yeah. idea of going in to just reboot this film, to what? You know what I mean? To just remake yeah. the face transplant they're movie? Just gonna make it as a, they're just going to make it as, like, your common everyday fucking actioner, you know? Uh, face yeah, Off was sucks. one of the attempts to, like, make a, like a John Woo stylized yeah. John Woo film in the United States, because... Uh, the first go around didn't fucking fare as well as Face Off, so yeah, um, it, and that was uh, John Claude Van Damme's Hard Killers? Target. Oh no, Hard Target. Target by John Claude Van Damme. Now, I, I'm one of the few that saw that in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Face Off doesn't need to have a reboot <clears throat> because I still, I mean that movie still holds up. I could still watch it today and have fun with it I, as an action movie, you know. And it, it, I don't know. I just hate when they do that with certain types of films. And, I mean, like, I get it with some of them. You know, I I may not like it, and some of that is my own personal bias. Like, I specifically, I look at the the Verhoeven Verhoeven, Verhoeven films. You know, you Mm -hmm. see that with RoboCop when they did the remake of that, and that was just atrocious. Now, I get get Mm -hmm. it. You know, technology is different. You have CGI. You know, theoretically, you can take the RoboCop franchise and say, hey – I can actually make this, maybe make it a little bit better, maybe make it look a little cooler and give it some cool shit. Um, but they failed because they yeah. did not grasp the heart and, like, the actual, the, the graphical violence and satire that was in RoboCop. And the same thing could be said with Total Recall. You know, you look at that oh, film, yeah, you know, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, yeah. piece, and then they Colin, made that remake uh, of it. Yeah, Colin no, Farrell, whatever his name <clears throat> is. Colin Farrell. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm glad you got more technology. I'm glad you can try to make this world look better and more filled and more, Mm -hmm. you know, more this and that. But you're just not getting what made that original movie so special. No, the one was that you're hoping to. Look, I like, I like, I like Face Off like well enough, but like to me, I think about films. I'm not. I'm. I'm sorry. I don't know why that's happening. But anyway, there he is. I. I am not, you know, I like Face Off well enough, but I don't hold it in the same arena that I hold, like, Total Recall and RoboCop by any stretch. As far as... Those are just the first two that came to my head. Yeah, Yeah. no, and those are are fine examples of exactly what you're talking about. I think the one thing that could be cool uh, with a Face Off reboot is if instead of just, like, you had Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, and then they just played each other, like they, you know, they played the other. Yeah. Uh, what mm-hmm. would be cool here, I think, is if they use that new deep fake technology and have, mm. you know, this. I'm just 
saying John Nicholas yeah. Cage's character, like, but with John Travolta's deep fake face on Nicholas Cage. So like the bot, like, so all of the the bot, like, like the body, yeah. so it all yeah. looks like the person. I feel like if they go that route with the technology and all this new shit that's coming out, that might be interesting as far as a movie technology experiment. But as far as the movie itself is concerned, coming back, I wasn't a big enough fan for the first one to really even care that much to begin with. But wasn't that the whole point? Was the idea was that the faces were swapped and you couldn't tell the difference? We as the audience knew yep. because of watching Nicolas Cage act like John Travolta and John Travolta act like Nicolas Cage. You know, if you do the whole thing with the, the, the face swapping technology that you're talking about, all you're going to do is just watch the actor performing as himself on the body of somebody else. But that's the whole point. Uh, you know, the I, idea I, of watching I, that I, actor I, perform in that I way. Mean, I do like where it says that, though. I do like that idea. So I will say, Doc, I do like that idea. Because some of those deepfake videos are just fucking amazing to watch. Um, like Jim Carrey yeah, watched Shining. one where they, like, where they crazy. placed the lone yes. face on the Terminator in Terminator 2. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> it's insane how well they can yeah, do it. Yeah, it's pretty fucking where, crazy. Yeah. Um, but all right, so scary. You know what? That's uh, what that is, man. That's really scary technology. <laughs> when you really think yeah. about that, when that gets to a point of like full realism, you really have to worry about who can fake and doctor something to make somebody else look completely like they're doing something that they didn't do. Yeah, it's it's definitely a cause for concern. I know it's been in the news a lot because uh, they've been doing it with political figures too, and it's it's definitely a cause for concern. Uh, these deep fake videos, uh, but. With uh, the show as it is, we have a movie to talk about tonight, so maybe we're not the perfect podcast, but we do have The Perfection to talk about from 2018, released on Netflix in 2019, directed by Richard Shepard. Doc, this is your pick, so you have the floor. Take us away. Oh, I will take you away. We have The Perfection uh, from 2019, uh, a Netflix film. Uh, And as the King has said, directed by Richard Shepard, who also had a hand in writing this film, also with Eric Carmelo and Nicole Snyder, of who I have no idea who those people are. Uh, The Perfection follows Allison Williams, who you know uh, from her uh, twisted turn in Get Out, uh, in this kind of, I guess, psychological horror film where she plays an up-and-coming, world-renowned cellist, studying at a prestigious music school and uh you know she has to leave to care for her terminally ill mother and then uh years later uh befriends the the prodigy that has taken her place uh but maybe there are nefarious plans which we will talk about uh in our discussion so uh that is the the brief introduction to the perfection i am looking forward to hearing about what you gentlemen think of this film okay uh ghoul what did you think about the perfection i uh i found this to be an enjoyable little film i think uh me and uh, the ghoul girl we settled in late last night um it was like debatable it was so late that i was wondering if i should even bother putting it on uh i figured you know what i'll put it on if i find myself to start falling asleep i'll just stop it or fall asleep to it and hopefully remember where i was at and this kept my attention the whole way through um yeah we uh yeah i'm looking forward to having a discussion about this one mm-hmm. uh and for me uh yeah i i watched it because i i the thing is is that the perfection had a lot of people talking 
on a lot of the horror websites that I follow. And Monkey even said the same thing. At the Perfection is one of those hot movies right now that everybody's talking about on Netflix. Uh, you have to watch this movie. It's really profound. And it's interesting. And I, I watched it from start to finish, and I had no opinion about it whatsoever. Like, I felt like uh, Goodnight Mommy again, where I just – I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I just – I watched it. <laughs> you know, it's, it was a, a movie. Um, you know, I just, I just, I couldn't, you know, find myself having an opinion either way of saying this is a great movie or this is a horrible movie. I just said, hey, you know, if, if it wasn't for the show, I probably never would have watched it. I probably never would have checked it out because just from the trailer alone, it didn't give you anything about what the movie's about. So getting into it, there's things I liked about it, but overall, you know, it, it just didn't really hit me anyway, um, you know, overall. I mean, How about I you, Doc? Guess, what you think? Uh, uh, I, I, I liked this one. Um, I didn't love it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I did some reading after I saw it, and uh, you know, there was some, uh, some reading that I did where uh, it was talked about how, uh, you know, when you figure out what's going on very early on, like it becomes a much more fun ride. But like, I didn't figure out what was going on right away. No, nope, I didn't. Um, no. And uh you know even even when we got later into the plot like it still threw me for another loop uh you know in the third act. Oh, really? So uh this one yeah yeah I didn't I didn't and we'll, we'll talk about these things but uh I didn't what like what unfolded was not what I had expected. Um you know I thought it was a like a a pretty fun a pretty fun romp, you know? Like again it's not something that I loved. I don't know that uh, being that this is a Netflix film and isn't just going to show up playing on, you know, PBS late one night, uh, I don't know that I would mm-hmm. seek it out on Netflix and push play again. But I'm certainly glad that I picked it, and I'm certainly glad that I watched it, and, and I thought it was a pretty decent, uh, you know, little little adventure. Yeah, I mean, that's, I kind of resound those opinions, uh, like what you just said. It's not a normal movie that I would seek out. Um, and then I often wondered while watching it, is this something that would be considered elevated horror? Because it's not traditional horror by any sense. And, I, yeah, I think that it would be considered elevated horror. Where it's a thriller, there is some good gore sequences, but at the same time, it's kind of that classier, you know, glossier horror where everybody's beautiful and there's this great storyline going on of cellists at this very elite academy, the back-off academy, um, and Charlotte well, Wilmore film... played by Asher Williams. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, part of the reason why this is also, though, considered elevated horror is because the film is exploring a lot of different themes here. And some of the stuff that it does as well is try to throw you off by using some very clever little mechanics. You know, like we get introduced early to the the two characters, you know, the two two mains, Lizzie and uh, whatever the other one's name was. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Charlotte. Charlotte. Um, But as, as she's, you know, in this uh, event that's going on in Shanghai, we see this other uh, Asian fellow start throwing up, and they start mentioning, you know, a virus that's going on down in another area. So, like, I didn't read the synopsis to this film. I didn't know what was going on. We just hit play. And, you know, my immediate thought was, like, oh, okay, this is where this is going. This is going to be one of those, like, you know, terminal sickness type of films and there's going to be this relationship between these two chicks now speaking of the relationship between these two chicks it's got to be one of the hottest sex scenes 
that I've seen in quite a oh, while, yeah. man. Yeah. That's yeah, man. another big thing that brings sure, this into elevated horror. This is, you know, like ultimately a homosexual relationship between two women that is, yeah. you know, the a, a major plot point in this film, which is, again, extremely hot. Not just because they're gay, but just because they're fucking hot. No. Yeah, and um, you know, and yeah. and what what you're saying there, I agree with that about about the hotness of that, and I liked the way it was portrayed, and that it wasn't just like, oh, uh, we're going out dancing, and then so you see them dancing, and then uh, then you see them back back in bed. I liked how they kind of gave you everything that was going on over their whole evening in like like mixing it all together, like showing them at the club, showing them in bed, showing them at the club, yeah. show, you know, like I, I mm-hmm. like how they bounced it all around like that. It, like, I feel like that made yeah, it hotter than if they were just like, here they are dancing together and then they're back in bed. Yeah, it made it feel almost like a natural progression too, though. You were getting that back and forth of what like built up and all that <laughs> energy. Like, again, we hit a lot of shows, you and me, and you know how that goes. That energy is building up. And, you know, you have those nights where it's just a big sweaty mess and ball of everybody just dancing around and gyrating and this and that. And, like, yeah, you know, man. you get home and you just want to tear off the clothes and fuck like crazy if your legs aren't killing you so bad that you just want to pass the fuck out. Um, yeah. Well, it depends on your proximity to where your bed is from the concert venue. Um but the, uh, you know, the, the, the whole progression of that was fantastic. Now, the other thing that I thought was very interesting, and again, I'm going to try to rewatch, you know, at least this sex scene to make sure. <laughs> sure. There was no, well, no, there was no nudity. You never saw nipples. No, no, it was tastefully done. You know, side you know, angles, actually, you know, perfect, like the way they did it. Yeah. Ridiculously yeah, you filmed. You saw some so hot. You saw a side boob, you saw some butt, but you actually never saw the female genitalia, which I thought was just a very, an interesting choice on the part of the director, because that's where you, they always yep. go. You're always going for that kind of stuff, and yet here was a scene that showed you that that could be so freaking sexy without even giving you that full nudity. Well, the whole, the whole seduction of Charlotte with Lizzie, mm. where they first introduce her, Anton and Paloma. Anton played by Stephen Weber, who I love. So whenever mm-hmm. I get a chance to see Stephen Weber in something, I love it. But it's you have Lizzie just kind of saying, Stevie I love you. The Shining. And the wings. I love him in wings. Um, but uh, <clears throat> just Lizzie being in, just kind of infatuated with Charlotte right away because of how she appreciated her cellist skills and talking to her and saying, you know, when I was a kid, I looked up to you. But then they have the whole scene where they're watching the concert, and that's when you see the, the lovers, where it's like, look at them. Like, you know, she's married to him, he's married to her, but, yeah, you could see that there's something going on. And she goes, that makes me so wet. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's like, even, just you the know, way she says before, it. Yes, and, and that's a good point. I'm glad you brought up that particular scene, because even before she said that about it making her wet, you, I, I knew it was going in that well, one, just the way they were kind of fucking looking at each other the whole fucking oh, time, yeah. but yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. just the way she was telling, the way she was speaking in her ear about what was going on before she even said that it was hot or that it made her wet, like you could, like I just, you just knew it was going in that direction. Oh yeah, I mean, they were definitely making the eyes at each other, and that's why I appreciated the progression uh, leading to the night in the hotel room 
Uh, even waking up the next day, they're still very much kind of digging each other, you know, and it's one of those things where it's the next day and they're kind of still happy to be together. But Lizzie is uh, no better for the wear because now she's got a hangover, needs some ibuprofen to get through the day because we've all been there and we've all had hangovers, you know, so you need that ibuprofen to kind of get on with your day. But it doesn't really help her very much because she just gets progressively more sick as they make a trip on a bus through Shanghai. Uh-huh. And again, with this whole thing that we heard earlier in the film, we saw the other guy sick. Yep. We've heard about this virus that's going on. We're seeing all these yep. people looking at her. They're looking at her scared. You know, like I'm yeah. thinking, okay, wow, here we go. This is this is going to be about, you know, Lizzie contracting something. And this is going to be some kind of contagion film. And Charlotte's right. going to be unaffected. And she's going to have to watch, you know, Lizzie die. And it's going to be one of those movies where it's going to be about, like, you know, this chick trying to figure out why it is that she doesn't get sick when everybody else does. God, I couldn't be more wrong. And I have to give the ghoul girl so much credit here. She fucking called out exactly what was going on. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, when, That's a great what, call because point, I didn't get it. At what, point, at what point did she call it out? Like, where in they the They were on on the bus ride and she turned around and she goes, she's drugging her. She goes, she okay. is getting sick because she's wow. really, she just straight up called it out, man. And I, I, I didn't think she was right, you know, but then no, sure as shit, that's what turned out, what was happening. Yeah. And I love the fact that when she gets sick for the first time and she's like, I have to use the bathroom and like, we're in the middle of nowhere. She's like, I'm going to shit. Like I have to get off the bus. Shit myself. <laughs> you see her getting off the bus and she shits herself. But Charlotte's cleaning her up. Like, she's actually caring for her and cleaning up after her. And she's like, don't worry about it. My mother was the exact same way. I'm used to this. It's okay. You know, ordinarily you wouldn't think that would happen. She'd be like, oh, gross. <laughs> but she has care for Lizzie. Like, it's not, you know, it's nothing, you know, underhanded or anything like that yet. You know, we don't really know yet what's really going on until she gets sick the second time and starts bashing her head up against the window, which I, I, it was crazy. I mean, I did like that sequence. When she starts puking up yeah, the maggots she, on the bus. And, yeah. When she pukes up the maggots and, you know, like I'm watching it's that maggots, scene Michael. and I'm like, okay. <laughs> maggots, Michael. But uh, I was like, uh, great. You know, like, is this where that's going to go? Okay, that's interesting. Bugs, you know, I know the ghoul girl, she hates that kind of shit. Anything that has mm-hmm. to do with, like, living things coming out of human beings' bodies, that's a no, especially when they're insects. Uh, eyes, mouths, ears, noses, like all the fucking olfactory Easy shit, toes. Dude, those, those, those olfactory use, dude. No, no, no. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, like the maggots on the window, they were very digital. You know, they just did not have that like, were, realistic, yeah. like, look to them. So I was kind of bumming at this point thinking, oh, okay, well, this is where it's going to go. This is what that's going to look like. Uh, I was extremely, extremely pleased when it did not go in this direction. No, and that's the one thing we also didn't bring up is the fact that uh, Lizzie has a, a tattoo of a note on her back that uh, Charlotte seems to be kind of obsessed with. Um, and then as we find out through flashbacks exactly why she's obsessed with this uh, tattoo that Lizzie has. But, yeah, going with the, the maggots on the bus, they get ejected because the bus driver doesn't want any more of their shit. Get the fuck off my bus. Like, you've caused enough disruption. So we're on the side of the fucking mountain. What do you want us to do? And that's when Lizzie finally has her freak out in her arm. You see all the maggots crawling around in her arm. And she's like, I got to get this fucking out of me. And Charlotte conveniently has a butcher knife. Got to cut off your hand. No other choice. 
go for it. And without Which, hesitation, she just out, grabs it and goes. When she pulled out the butcher knife is when I realized that the ghoul girl was absolutely right. Yeah, her like, face right. shit. Sold and it. holy fucking shit, fuck my ass. Holy cow, this literally just got announced three minutes ago. Coming in October at the New Jersey Horicon, October 12th only, Charlie fucking Sheen. What? Wow. wow. Man, the Sheen himself. That's crazy. You got to go. What do you think he gets? What, what do you think? Let's set the fucking betting line. Like, what do you, what do you think he gets? That's got to be like 100. Besides AIDS? No, no, he um. has that. What does he get money wise? What does he get money wise like for 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 his table? What do you think what do you think the fee is? It's gotta be like a hundred per per autograph, I'd imagine. Uh yeah, I mean they've po- they've already posted what everybody else's are. Um I don't know. They're uh they're also doing a it looks like there's gonna do a group photo op with him and Carmen Electra. Or uh, okay. him as Rick Vaughn from Major League, glasses and Indians uniform and all. Well, that <laughs> wait, he's going to be wearing the fucking Indians uniform. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's fucking crazy. I would that's not have expected fucking, that. But I was cool, going to say, yeah, it's fucking cool. I mean, forget about all the fucking insanity. I mean, this guy's fucking filmography is fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Man. That's fucking fucking Red fucking dawn, dude. Red fucking dawn. Winning. Platoon. <laughs> small role in Ferris. Fuck the fucking, the motherfucking Wraith. Wall Street. Three yeah. The road. Yeah. Young Guns. Major League. Cadence. Men at Work. Men at Work. The Hot yeah. Shots movies. Men at Work. Hot Shots films, dude. Two and uh-huh, a half, the hot man. Films. You know, I mean. Uh-huh. Loaded, loaded Weapon. The Chase, the fucking Chase, man. Oh, with Chrissy yeah. Swanson. Awesome. Chrissy fucking Swanson. So hot. So mm-hmm. hot. The fucking Cadence. <laughs> you and the fucking Karazas would stomp around and fucking dance dude, around. Dude, the Cadence, fucking dude. Song. Fucking A. Holy <laughs> shit. Holy cow! I have not thought about that in fucking ages, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that might be a a closer right there, dude. Yeah. Just like Rick Vaughn, that might be a closer. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I got a curveball. Give him the fucking heater. (laughs) That's epic news. The stinky cheese. (laughs) <laughs> no, that was uh, that was that was uh, that was rookie of the year. The I know, years. rookie of the year. Mm. I know, I know which one it is. Float it, okay? Float it, kid. Float it. But, <laughs> it was you, uh, all. It was you all along. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and going back to the perfection. Uh, after she cuts off her hand and then we cut a little bit, I actually do appreciate the flashbacks, like the rewind that they do, the press rewind, the rewinding all the way back, you know, and see exactly what Charlotte's planning on doing. You know, I appreciated that because otherwise that would have been fucking confused. Like, is she evil? Like, does she not like her? Like, you know, what is this going on? But, you know, you know that there's a reason why. And they flash back to the hallucinogenic pills that she's taking. But at the same time, I had this thought, too, is that Charlotte is kind of placing all her bets on the fact that these pills are going to make her hallucinate. Because those are just side effects. And that's not for everybody. 
you know, that's just for some people. You may experience hallucinations, and if you have alcohol, it could exacerbate those. But what if you don't have those side effects? Should be well, screwed. no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I would think she was betting on the hallucinations if she had already gotten the cleaver. But I think what mm-hmm. she was betting on initially is just the fact that the girl's going to get sick. And she would figure out everything else as she went. You know, they went to that restaurant. That's where she grabbed the cleaver. At that point, mm-hmm. maybe based on the headaches and knowing what her mother went through with the medication, she might have already been thinking at this point, okay, she's going to hallucinate on top of it. Plus, we see that she even put into the girl's head the thing with the bugs because of the whole oh, yeah. wife in her back and saying, oh, it was just a bug. Like, it was just meticulously set up and planned. And, yes, it worked out perfectly for her for what she wanted to do here. But, yeah, at this point of the film, I'm thinking, holy shit, this chick was one hell of a jealous bitch, man. Damn. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to three weeks later. We're back in Boston. We're back at Back Off with Anton and Paloma where they're introducing a new student to the academy, Zhang Li. It was a young prodigy from Shanghai, and she's coming to this academy, and they show her the chapel, which is a perfect uh, acoustic room to sing and to play instruments. But at this point, do you get anything from Anton that there's something else going on with him? Or do you think that he's still just a guy running this academy, very astute uh, in his behavior, or there's something lurking beneath the veneer of this guy? Uh, I mean, you know, I don't I know. Thought there was... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you uh, go. I was going to say, okay. um, I don't know that I was, and again, I was not thinking, uh, you know, to the extent of uh, obviously what we learned, but I, I felt that there was something fucking creepy about that dude and his two yeah. fucking lackeys and the fucking girl. Uh, you Jeffrey know, and I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know, uh, you know, what goes on in that fucking world, but I feel that that world of like high, high end, uh, like private education places where people send their children to these adults. I feel that just base element, there's like an element of weirdness to it. Like even for places that are on the up and up uh, with nothing mm-hmm. going on. And I'm talking about even real life. Cause like, you know, you hear all kinds of shit about, you know, the most elite private schools, and then you learn what went on, you know, at those places. And, you know, it's just so thinking from that angle, like this, there was definitely something that I felt was like a little uncomfortable about it, but I was not uh, anticipating it to go in the direction that it went. Cool. Well, bringing that up, you know, I, you know, I assumed by this point something had to be off with them. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether this was, I mean, for one thing, with the way they were talking about this room and, you know, again, the lackeys and all that stuff and seeing Charlotte being that she's kind of fucking loopy and out of her mind, um, you know, I assume something was, was off. Now, whether this was going to be like a cult related thing or, or something to that effect, I don't know. But, you know, the other thing at this point that, you know, makes me realize that this is what they mean when they say something is elevated horror is when you look at something from almost a meta perspective and we look at what's going on in today's society and in the whole Me Too movement and everything, and I feel like this is one of those films that shouts that. And the reason why I say it shouts it in a meta way, this is a Miramax movie. Oh, yeah, I know. I saw that. It's a Miramax film. Which originally yeah. was done by the Weinsteins, yep. which 
comes Harvey. right back to Harvey, which makes me think of Anton is Harvey Weinstein. This is the very yeah. kind of yep. thing that all of these actresses are talking about. This whole idea of like, hey, you want to look at Lizzie. You know, you want to make it. You're going to be a success. You're going to be the greatest yeah. cellist in the world. Yet she's getting raped on a regular basis. And she almost, and she, we, we find out later that like, you know, it's, it's blocked out to a degree. She doesn't even fucking think of it in that matter right. and in that regard. That's fucked up, man. That is what, you know, I think a lot of things get lost when we're watching shit on the media and you're seeing mm-hmm. this come out and you're getting that side. And, and you know, they're always looking for, for these, these glamorized ideas of what the Me Too is. This is kind of what I think they really, the, the base of it is about, you know. It's not every little fucking person under the sun that wants to say, hey, somebody looked at me funny and now I feel fucking offended. This is the kind of stuff. People that are abused to a level in which they're not even realizing it's abuse anymore. Yeah, this is what you have to do to be famous. You know, um, a great point. And then, like I said, the whole uh, university is called Back Off. So I was like, I thought that played in the Me Too movement too. Yeah, you know, literally, it's pronounced back off. <laughs> yeah, it's his last know. name. It's his family name. <laughs> yeah, Anton I mean, back of course. <laughs> yeah, Anton, back off. Go, Anton, you know, I mean, it's back off. <laughs> yeah, right. It's literally right there in the name. Um, but Lizzie comes back to the university missing her hand, and there's a tourniquet on it. And we also find out in the flashback that Charlotte knew how to tie that tourniquet uh, so she would survive. But – I love the fact that Anton and Paloma are talking to her, and he's like, hey, listen, you can't stay here anymore, but we're going to pay for you to have a place off the university campus, and we'll pay for everything, and you're going to be fine. Like, All right, so they're, they're paying for her. Like, you know, there's, there's something invested. She can't perform anymore because she's missing a hand, but they're going to pay for her. So, again, the Me Too movement and Harvey Weinstein's like, we're just going to pay you off. Well, yeah, and I mean, we, we got in conversation earlier between Lizzie and Charlotte, where Charlotte was asking her, like, you know, what are your plans to do after? And she's like, I, I can never picture a life outside of this academy, you know, and you can see this here in this scene where Lizzie's like, yeah, listen, I can't play anymore, but I can teach. I can write music. These are all things that I am still fully capable of doing. And in a lot of ways, that makes me kind of feel like it's a reflection on older actresses. You know, actresses that are at a point now where since they're not the young, hot thing anymore, you know, maybe those certain roles that they used to be able to get, they can't get anymore. And Hollywood kind of throws them to the side because there's only so Mm -hmm. many that are actually needed. And, you know, they do have things to offer, but, you know, it's not what everybody wants. And that, you know, is what I feel like they were kind of showing with this. So, no, in this case here, they're like, yeah, well, listen, we're going to hook you up. We're going to get you an apartment, yeah. all the rehabilitation you need. We'll do this and that. And you know what? I feel like so much of that was talking out the side of their mouths anyway. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that would dry up real fucking quick. Yeah. And here's a question for both of you guys. Uh, because once you leave the mean, campus uh, – um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I, my, my point doesn't make any sense. So you go ahead. Um. No, the whole thing is that she does leave the campus, and she punches that picture of Charlotte that she sees. But then you get a cutaway to Minneapolis, where Lizzie confronts Charlotte in this home that she's living in. I, I kind of question how she would know that she lives there. Like, was there ever a point where she would figure out that she lives in Minneapolis, and that's where she needs to go? Because I felt like she that's, mentioned Minnesota. You know, 
earlier mm. in the film. Okay, Charlotte so did that. mention that she li- that because she goes um because she's like oh they found you know this one in Shanghai, and Charlotte goes Minnesota. Lizzie says Tampa. So she knows at least a general idea of where the person lives. I'm sure we're just, you know, again, in this day and age, a little bit of research, you can find out where somebody lives. And what do you think about that, Tom? Very true. Yeah. I feel exactly the way that uh, the goo feels. I mean, I was thinking, uh, given uh, what Charlotte had done, would she just, like, go on and continue her life in the United States under her regular name, knowing what she has committed. Granted, it was in a foreign country and, and whatnot, but uh, I, I Again, words come that... into play. Nothing that Lizzie can do against Charlotte. Lizzie cut off her own hands. Lizzie right. did yeah. the drugs herself. Yep. So, and again, it's in a foreign country. There's no charges against right. Charlotte. It's not like Lizzie can come right. back to the United States and charge her either. So Charlotte's free to go live her own fucking life at this point. Right. I was. I guess I was more thinking, uh, you know, would she be concerned of uh, Lizzie looking to seek retribution? Um, but anyway. She didn't seem uh, too concerned when, when she broke in. Like, it didn't no. seem like Charlotte was too prepared. Uh, so anyway, uh, just agreeing with what, what the what – the, Cool has said is that yes, with a few punches of buttons, uh, you know, in this day and age, you can pretty much find out where anyone lives. And it was a great confrontation uh, between Lizzie and Charlotte in Charlotte's home in Minneapolis, leading to her going back to back off with her car and saying, Yeah, I got the bitch. What are you going to do about it? I <laughs> think she cut off my hand. So, what are we going to do here, guys? Because I want her to be punished. And Anton's still not believing fully that, you know, Charlotte had anything to do with this hand being removed. Um, such a great confrontation between Charlotte and Anton when they are in the room together. And you just have that moment of knowing between the two of them exactly what's going on. Like Stephen Weber played it perfectly, I think. I, I do agree. I think all of this is well-framed. But now here's the one thing I, at this point – Kind of had a feeling I knew what was happening here, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the and the major reason why is because of that very same rewind mechanic that they did earlier in the film yeah. to show us Charlotte's plotting against Lizzie. I felt like it was so it was almost so different and cool of an aesthetic that I felt like it was going to happen again. Like it felt like everything that was going on around me was being set up now to do another rewind, which the only thing that would make sense for that rewind is for what ends up happening in the film. And doc, what'd you think about that? That, that confrontation that uh, Anton has with uh, Charlotte. When she, uh, <clears throat> when she's brought back, you're talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When she's brought back and she has that understanding of what's going on, and then you have Anton kind of playing along with it, going, oh, well, you know, yeah, okay. But then he realizes he knows why she's there, and he just goes that blank stare face that he has, where it's like it's, it's all revealed. Like, we know why she's there. We know now what she endured in the chapel, trying to achieve the perfection with Anton. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was a perfect way to kind of reveal 
that Anton is a sadistic bastard that rapes these young women that are coming to him to achieve musical perfection. And again, uh, it's not yeah. just young women. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Young women. Oh, yeah. Sorry. yeah. No, go ahead. Uh, my, my bad, man. I don't mean to interrupt, bro. No, you can finish that point because it's more to the conversation. I more wanted to talk about something with that particular actor for a minute, so go ahead. It's not just young women. Remember, Charlotte left for, you know, she left for 10 years to take care of her mom. She left when she was 14 yeah. years old. So this mm-hmm. isn't just young women. This is children. These are kids yeah. yep. that they are sexually abusing, that they are completely 100% raping, branding with their little fucking symbol, and then giving them this notion that, you know what, you guys are going to be the greatest fucking superstars in the world. You know, all, but, but if you make one mistake, you will have to be punished, and this is how Whoa. you achieve oh, oh. this greatness. Awful. <laughs> Awful. Awful. Just seeing that that blurred shot of uh, Stephen Weber not wearing anything, like ah, <laughs> yeah. And again, though, the price. again, a, a shot in which you know what, so many movies would go there for that shock and awe factor, but you know what, that blurred, blurred image yeah. was all you really needed. That's all yep. I ever need to see a fucking yep. Stephen Weber's junk, man. <laughs> yeah, sold it. All right, uh, so go ahead, Doc. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say with Stephen Weber and. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but I'm watching this movie, right? And I, I'm, I'm looking at Steven Weber, and I'm watching him, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, I know this guy from a million different things. And then I go and look, and I can barely find anything that he's been in that I really know. I feel that he looks like someone that has been in a million things that you are aware of. Yeah. And, yep. and then that's just not the case. I know him from a, like a couple of different things, like uh, the Gullet said, the Shining remake, uh, Rebecca Del Mornay, that happened a couple of years, uh, many, many years ago. Uh, Wings, uh, Dracula, Dead and Loving It with Leslie Nielsen. So, and there's a bunch of others, but he's Single a Single white actor. female, going, leaving Las yeah, Vegas, I'm looking, Dracula, well, well, Dead yeah, and Loving see, It. I'm looking... I'm looking right now, and he has 159 credits to his name. And sure, yeah, he's a when, I look, when, I look, when I look at this list, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I had seen a, a couple episodes of fucking Wings a million years ago. And, oh, yeah, like, I remember seeing fucking Dracula dead and loving it, like, a, you know, when that came out, you know, a long time ago. But based on what I looked with this guy, what he looks like, what he sounds like, I was expecting there to be, like, so many more things than there, than there, actually, than there actually was. Um, you know one I thing I will say towards this? By that. Okay, Wings was definitely a television darling. And more yeah. to the point, I remember Wings being on the TV guide often. You know, oh, so yeah. I have a, a feeling that this might be one of those <laughs> cases where as a kid, you probably saw Steven Weber's face on so many magazines in, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. ShopRite or you know, Food Town, Half wherever mark. your mom shopped, and you saw it time and time and time again to where that's why you remember his face. Besides the fact that, yes, he's got a very generic look to him as far as actors go. Like, he reminds me a little bit of, uh... Shit, man. What's his fucking name? He reminds me a little bit of, uh... uh Greenberg, Bruce Greenberg, maybe? Is that the dude's name? Yeah. Uh, Bruce Greenwood. 
Greenwood. He reminds yeah, me a little of yeah. Bruce Greenwood, maybe. And, but yeah, also I can see to, that. Uh, I just, because I'm a fucking, you know, because I am who I am, I just, I've been watched, I just binge watched uh, season three, and he also is, and I do know him from this recently, he also is the principal in uh, the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. I haven't seen that, but I heard it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, um, I've heard a lot of good things about that. Actually, it's just I haven't gotten to yeah. watch that yet. You should um, check it out, man. Uh, I've watched all three seasons. Like I'm still watching it. Like season three just dropped like a week ago or two. But it, it's great in the movie. Like we talked about the confrontation between Anton and Charlotte, where she reveals the whole reason she had uh, Lizzie cut off her hand is because she can't get raped anymore. She's on a uh, cellist. Like she was trying to save her. You know, this constant abuse by Anton and Jeffrey and Theus and Paloma at this academy. Like, I'm just saving her from your abuse. And that's what leads Anton to become enraged and chaining her into the chapel, wearing this uh, red dress and full makeup and hair. And you see the chains, but Zhang Li, the little girl that they just brought to the academy, can't see that. She thinks that she's being brought into the chapel to see a performance. Because Special. Anton wants her to play the perfection. Yeah. Anton tells her, you need to play this piece perfectly, and if you do, you're free to go. But if you don't, then Zhang Li is going to have to pay the price for that. So she's going to be the next one up to be raped. So it's a, it's a heavy cost to, to Charlotte to play this perfectly, and which she doesn't, which, yeah, she messes up. You know, she makes a mistake, and Zhang right Li is perfect. End. She's like, she almost had yeah. it. She almost had it. Yep. And they do a good enough job in yep. the musical performances because we saw an er- the earlier performance as well. They do a good enough job to where yeah. the mess up is enough to where somebody that is not familiar with that kind of music is still going to hear it. But it's also not so ridiculously bad that you look at it and say, well, that just doesn't make sense that somebody as good as that could make that kind of mistake, you know? Um, I think it was like a nice subtle mistake that was still easy enough to pick up on where the location of the mistake was. Um, but, uh, But more to the point, the whole idea of her cutting off Lizzie's hand, I mean, I think we also see through the story when you look back watching it, you realize she wouldn't have cut Lizzie's hand off if she felt like she could have gotten through to Lizzie without having right. to shock her into right. figuring out what was actually going on to her. The fact that Lizzie was that that badly brainwashed is the reason why she cut off Lizzie's hand. She had to shock her into the point of Lizzie realizing she wouldn't be capable of playing and seeing what you know, what it is that actually was going on in front of her, which, you know, again, still leads to, to other things that we hear about these days, like, um, shit, man, they just busted them. There was that sex cult that was going on in, like, upstate With, New York. Uh, Allison Mack. Yeah. Yes, yep. yes. Yeah. The one run by, like, some kind of, like, tech guy or some shit. Yep. Where he's, like, some mm-hmm. kind of, like, some technology dude, but he's this whole entire time he's running some sex cult up there where he's, like, the ipso facto leader. And, you know, you got to figure how many of those people don't even think of it in that matter. You know what I mean? Tech nine, right. I think it might have been called or something to that effect. Something to um, that effect, yeah, yeah. But it's just, just insane, you know. Just it's just so but, weird to think like these things still go on to this day, you know. And I love the fact that you brought up the whole shock thing to Lizzie because we get to see through flashbacks as well 
that Charlotte was institutionalized at one point. They shaved her head. They put her up against a bunch of electrodes, and they shocked her. So that led her to being unbrainwashed as well, where it led her to being having shock therapy, led her to realize what exactly happened to her and kind of uh, trying to deal with it as well as having a sick mother. So, yeah, it was kind of great to see those sequences where she's giving electroshock therapy um, and kind of realizing what she has to do with Lizzie later on in the film. Um, but we had talked about Zhang Li being let off, and she's like, oh, that was such a great performance. I really enjoyed it. And Paloma takes her away, and we're led to Anton saying, well, uh, Theus and Jeffrey are going to come in here. You guys, uh, you know, have fun. Get me when it's over because I want to do cleanup. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you just you don't want to know what's going to happen to her because you know that they're just going to have fun with her and they're you know sipping their whiskeys and having fun. But it's like, yeah, we're well, especially see this. when Lizzie's when Lizzie's ready to get in on the party and she's like, oh, you know, stump. she's gonna fuck she, she's gonna fuck her with the stump, and you know that automatically <laughs> yeah. gave me a flashback back to so when you got a raped. former. Yes, no. Uh, yes, no. No, sorry. Oh, God, I'm blocking it out. My, oh, okay, yeah. God. Um, no, I used to have a, a co-worker uh, who the doc knows. Uh, he is actually somebody who also helped introduce me to the, uh, the good old Grateful Dead. Um, but he was missing an arm from <laughs> the elbow joint down. So he had yep. a moving elbow joint, but just no forearm or hand. The reason why this reminded me of him was specifically that we were at a customer's house in like Jackson, New Jersey, and the guy and him started going back and forth yelling at each other, and the guy like said something derogatory about him with his arm, and he turned around and was like, well, yeah, you see this fucking stump? I'm going to stick it up your ass and fuck you with it, you know, as he's wiggling <laughs> that little elbow joint around, man. Yeah, he like, could that wiggle that little nub, thing. yeah. He would talk, and like, you know, being that we're from New Jersey, we tend to, some of us tend to talk with our hands, and he always talked with his hand and his elbow stump, because he felt like he had two hands, and he would just move his hands and his arms around like he had two fucking hands, but he didn't. He had a wiggling stump and another hand, and it was fucking weird sometimes, but a great guy. Well, you know, I always think very fondly of him. Yeah, I wonder what that fucking guy's doing now. Got his own company in Neptune. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kids are in college and, and all that fun stuff, man. I haven't talked to him in years, but uh, I know he's doing well. All right, good. Good thing. Um, but, yeah, you get to the Theus and Jeffrey walking in, and they're essentially going to be raping Charlotte after her failed performance. They're sipping on their whiskeys, and all of a sudden, just when Lizzie's about to rape her with the stump, Jeffrey and Theus start reacting to what's in their drink, which has been poisoned by presumably Lizzie, and that's what well, we see her the pour the drink earlier. Yeah, but I love the confrontation when they see Anton sitting in a room, basically waiting, and all of a sudden Paloma walks into the room and she's staggering around and she's like, Anton, is it? What is it, Paloma? What's wrong, Paloma? And I love it when Lizzie and Charlotte walk into the room and she's like, she was so drugged she didn't even feel a stabber <laughs> because she's got this big <laughs> yeah. knife in the back. <laughs> that fucking you know? cracked me up. Like that got a yeah, loud laugh out of me. Mhm. And it's Anton going, "Oh fuck!" Like this is coming back on me now. <laughs> and it gives that 
I don't know how you guys felt about it. I felt like it was kind of silly. The reveal that Charlotte is wearing a wig the entire time. Because I felt like they could have just made her bald, and I probably would have appreciated it more. But she had hair, so she could have just worn that hairstyle. You know, because it wasn't a bad hairstyle. I mean, lots of women like that pixie hairstyle. So I didn't really understand why she had to wear a wig. I felt like it was kind of like, eh, I guess I'll accept it. But at the same time, I just didn't really know why they chose to go that route. Uh, I think the idea was just the uh, the shortened hair was from the electroshock therapy. It was just showing us how fresh that therapy might have been. Um, that to the fact that her hair hasn't grown back to its full length yet. But in order for her to get in with them, she needed to still present herself mm, as that okay. picture of of what, you know, is conceived as beauty. You know, the long hair, okay. the yeah. naturesque body and all of that stuff. I see that. See, I respect that because I didn't think she looked bad with short hair. I don't think she looked fine. Like, I was like, just a new hairstyle for her. Like I said, if they if they, she had been bald, I would have been like, okay, that's kind of a shock. But the fact that she still had a, you know, a decent amount of hair, uh, I was like, I don't know if I wonder what the wig was. Yeah. We see it in the movie It. You know, remember, Beverly, her long hair, oh, yeah. what is yep. one of the first things she does. She cuts all the hair off just mm-hmm. so that she can seem more like one of the boys and get away from her femininity. You know, in this case, again, like I said, the whole idea is that, you know, her coming off of the shock therapy, she doesn't have a lot of hair. She needs to look more feminine. She knows what they like. You know, remember, she's obviously got a quite an intimate knowledge of what Anton and company are into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once that the whole reveal happens with, with her hair and the wig, you have a unspecified time later with Anton where you get the reveal, which – so, I mean, I know you guys aren't too familiar with the Sasuke sisters and American Mary, but to me, it felt like a rip on American Mary where you see Anton sitting in a seat where his arms and his legs have been cut off, his eyes Whoa, have been so shut. hold on, man. You can't just breeze up. over the entire fight sequence, man. You have a brutal fight I did, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm Anton, sorry. I Anton, Lizzie, that. and Charlotte, man, where they're fucking each other up pretty bad, specifically Anton taking a big-ass knife and sticking it in fucking Charlotte's oh, arm yeah. and then dragging it along the fucking arm, man. That was brutal. Made more so, my cousin out in Brooklyn recently, fucking, you know, the the, the good kid, Nikki, but he's a fucking moron. He got pissed off. He punched a fucking window, broke the Mm. glass, and fucking gutted open his entire arm. I mean, they said if this went in like another inch, the kid probably would have had to lose the arm. As it is, like he's got no sensitivity. They're talking major surgeries. They they might have to do like a nerve transplant, all kinds of crazy shit. So watching this knife go through that arm and just knowing that I recently saw pictures of similar fucking imagery, man, but real, wow, was that ever fucking effective. Yeah, yeah, but I also yeah, I gloss over that. But go ahead, about that. You're talking about that fight scene, and even before that, I loved when when uh, when he gets up to like see Paloma, and she just fucking falls on the fucking floor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the knife in her pushes back. her like, over. She looks like she, yeah. like you don't realize that at all. It was like like a perfect. Like she's like down, and you're like, oh, yeah. what's going on here? Because she just stands yeah, there well, for like again, a while, like, like without 
like the king said though too you know like they they say like you know she was so drunk she didn't even know she had a knife in her <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah that the place in the arm was so good um and the way the yeah, way that lizzie just pushes her when lizzie just pushes her down like with her fingers oh, yeah. she's just like boop <laughs> yeah <laughs> just pushes her over like a sack of dead weight but yeah like the court said that whole the knife wound to her arm because now you know that she's not going to be able to perform either like her arm has been permanently probably damaged with nerve endings. Like we just talked about with your cousin being injured so bad. Now she's definitely not going to be able to perform like a cellist. So you have Lizzie missing a hand. Now you have Charlotte missing a major, you know, arteries in her arms. So what are they going to do next? And we got the, the like I said, the Saskia sister ending with uh, Anton, yes. you know, missing all his limbs and being his eyes sewn shut, his mouth sewn shut, hooked up to an IV I like the fact that they gave his arms and his legs a little wiggle, so he still has function. <laughs> you know, well, you can't, he can you can't make him completely unable to move. You gotta at least give it's it's more torture based on the fact that he's gonna have even more memory of what the ability oh, to yeah. actually move was. You know, like mm-hmm. psychologically, that's just gotta be so fucking damaging. Because he can't see them perform, he can only hear them, and he can't even talk about it. Like he can only hear them perform, and I, you know, the fact that they didn't have music during that sequence, I kind of appreciated it in a way. Like I didn't mm-hmm. need to hear the piece that they were playing; just the fact that they were playing just for him, like in this moment, with the two pieces that they are becoming one yeah. in order to yeah. play. You know, you needed those two separate pieces to make the one whole. And I think the choice to not have music, or at least not to have the music that they're playing played, is just to show us that it doesn't matter if they're perfect anymore. It doesn't matter how they're playing. You know, being that right now, you know, you got one person playing the, you know, the the, the notes for it while the other person is stroking the bow, you know, you don't know how that's going to sound. That takes time and practice for those two to actually be able to work in concert like that. So it could be sounding like fucking when I would go to my kid's third grade orchestra fucking things (laughs) where, you know, because he played drums and, you know, but the orchestra would have to play too. And, you know, more power to these kids. It was, you know, they worked very hard. And, you know, the, the teacher would come up and be like, yeah, you know, the kids, they've been working so hard, and they sound so good. And then they would come up, and they'd start playing, and it would sound like fucking what I picture whales fucking sounds like, you know, or like, like dying dolphins and shit like that. And when I tell you I would walk out of these events, my inner lip cut open and chewed to shit because it's the only way that I would not start cracking up because like in my head I just and I know how hard they work because my own kid I know that he was working his ass off the whole time but it just sounds so absurdly funny now granted too when you go two years later and they sound better you can still see the progression but it's still not anything great which just makes it still funny so yes I'm a terrible person I'm going to hell (laughs) well you also don't know how long they've had him there. Like they don't specify a time, so they could have had him there for months because he's hooked up in no, IV. That's true. They're obviously caring true. for him as far as keeping him alive. So this could be a year later. You don't know. But that's you know his torture. That's his punishment. Is to have to sit there without any limbs, not being able to see or talk, just listen. And that's the perfection of the movie, I think. 
I think that's, you know, the ultimate perfection is them playing in tandem. And is that a woman's perfect idea of a man? Somebody that can just sit there, not talk, <laughs> not give their opinions, just listen. I'm sure it is. I'm sure there's a lot of women out there that are like, that's the perfect Can't even man. Fuck them. You know, there's no <laughs> sex even involved. So it's nothing. You're just going to sit there. You're just going to listen. Yeah. You can't talk back. You can't see me. I'm going to do whatever I want. So who knows? But, uh, Doc, did you think that uh, – because that's the way I took it, the title. That's the perfection. The fact that they're working now in tandem to play this cello. That's the way I took the ending of the movie, is the title of the movie. Perfection. Yeah. I mean, no, I didn't, you know, I didn't really, uh, you know, give too much, like, in-depth thought to, like, the title and, and what it meant. Um, well, you they know, say it so... multiple times. So, mm-hmm. you know, we know what the perfection is. It's not them playing at that particular point. The perfection is achieving that perfect song, that perfect music oh, in no, that, no, that location. I, that I know. That I that I know and I that I agree with that. But when the king is asking me if I feel that I felt that the title was, you know, the two of them playing together at the end, then no, I didn't. I didn't consider that. I didn't like put like depth of thought to that. That's the only thing I thought about. But like I said, I mean, ultimately, it's it's again one of those movies that if if the doc hadn't brought it up, I probably never would have checked out. But again, not a bad movie. I mean, it, it, I mean, it kept my attention, but it's just not one of those movies that I would have sought out if I had seen an advertising Netflix, like, Oh, the perfection. Cool. You know I mean? Plenty of people are talking about it on Facebook on all the horror groups I belong to, but it's good. You know I mean? I, I still think as far as elevated horror, I think neon demon has been my favorite of that ilk of elevated horror. That was a, that was a weird one. It's definitely a yeah, fucking weird one. Doc, I want to say thank you. Cause I enjoyed the shit out of this one. You also gave me something that, uh, that both me and the goo girl, <laughs> Very much enjoy that that early sequence. <laughs> so it's something I'm sure we'll revisit <laughs> yeah. time and time again. And then again, um, I like the fact that I mean I want to go back to it real quick before we close out. Is the fact that Lizzie is talking to her after they have sex, and Charlotte says, uh, "I've never been with anybody before, but you were my first. So I've never been with anybody. This is the first time." But then when you find out through the movie, that's a lie. So. I kind of like the fact that she brought that up to Lizzie. Like, oh, no, you're my first. Like, I've never had sex with Is anybody. it a lie? Is it a lie? If perception no, is reality, right. if perception is reality, and all of those sexual encounters were raped, this is her first time having consensual sex with somebody. Right. Yeah, consensually, <laughs> yes. I think that was her first time. But she's been raped, so it's not like she's a virgin. She's been assaulted. Which takes away her innocence in a way. But as far as, yes, like you said, romantic, consensual sex, that was her first time. And I fully believe that. You know, it was good what she had with who she had with. Um, But yeah, I just, I I thought of that. I would argue that for, you know, if a woman is to sit there and say, hey, you know what, the the, the first time losing my virginity should be when I give it to somebody myself, not when it's taken Mm -hmm. from me. You know that. I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm all for that. You know what I mean? That that's that's shit right there, man. That's the same yeah. shit as like you know, people saying that if a fucking woman gets pregnant by somebody that rapes her, that you know she's bound to fucking keep that child because that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, no, it is. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, that was the perfection from 2018. Uh, that premiered a fantastic fest in 2019. Saw the release on Netflix. Uh, good movie if you want to check out something that we consider elevated horror. Uh, but next week, it is my pick. So I want to go from the tasteful elevated horror to something a little less tasteful, a little bit uh, in the realm of weird. And I want to go to 2007 and talk about Poughkeepsie Tapes which is a, essentially a documentary following a serial killer. And he tapes all no, his murders. I know, I know this one. I, I know, I know, I know so, this one. I know, I know about this one. I will send you guys the link after the show. That you can watch for free on Tubi. Thank you, TubiTV.com, for having a copy. Uh, but it, it is a movie that I love, and I can't wait to talk about it next week. Poughkeepsie Tapes, directed by Eric Dyer. Sure, it's going to be terrible. So we'll talk about it. Excuse all right. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll, we'll, what we think about we'll it. Next then. Uh, but, Doc, thank you so much for your pick, and thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward thank to talking you. to you next week for the Kips Tapes. All right. We'll see you then. All right. So, Ghoul, you're up. Why don't you go ahead and hit us with a plug? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, go to Bonfire Bead Designs on Etsy. All one word, Bonfire Bead Designs. And what you're going to find there is all kinds of handcrafted jewelry, gemstones, bracelets, necklaces, rings, pendants, you name it, it's on there. Beautiful handcrafted stuff. It is a lot of love is put into every single one of these things. Check it out. It is all awesome. Go there, buy it, because she kicks ass, and she helps us, and we need that help. Stay on the air oh, yeah. for you people. So, yeah. fuck her up. Get that jewelry. She makes some amazing fucking pieces. I've seen her art. It is amazing. Check it out. Buy something for that guy in your life. Buy something for that girl in your life. Buy something for that secret lover in your life that you don't want your wife to find out about. She needs something. Is there, needs is there a hooker that you, that you visit a lot? Then buy her something. You know what? Believe <laughs> right. it or not, even though she you're giving stuff. that hooker money for sex, she still likes jewelry. Just like every every woman out there. Well, I guess that's wrong to say. That's wrong to say. Maybe not every woman loves jewelry, but it seems like a lot of them do. So, guys, you wanna do you wanna find your perfection <laughs> and go buy something from Bonfire Beat Designs because it'll give you a good shot of getting there. Oh, it'll get you all the way there, stump included. It'll get you all the way. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's not guaranteed. <laughs> no, no, it is not. But as always, I'm your old pal, the King RNG, saying keep America strong, watch horror movies. We'll see you next time when we talk about my pick, the Poughkeepsie Tapes. See you next time, boys and girls. Stay scared, everybody. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.